Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Borders podcast, the podcast that explores topics related to international trade. This podcast is brought to you by Buckland. For over 70 years, Buckland has been working to help companies across the world experience global trade in a better way. As a customer-focused company, we provide you with a single source of unmatched customs brokerage, trade-managed solutions, freight forwarding, trade technologies, and warehousing and distribution services. I'm your host, Jenny Kaus, Corporate Marketing Manager at Buckland, and today joining us by phone is our guest, Kelly Denias. As Buckland's Senior Customer Service Administrator at our Port Huron office, Kelly works closely with our clients to ensure a great experience. Kelly holds her Certified Customs Specialist designation and has been with Buckland for nine years. Welcome to the podcast, Kelly. I'm glad to be with you today. Thank you, Jenny. So today we're going to be talking about the basics of importing food and working with the FDA. So let's start off with maybe a quick overview of the FDA, Kelly. The FDA, or Food and Drug Administration, is a U.S. regulatory authority. The role of the FDA is to protect the public health by assuring that foods, except for meat from livestock, poultry, and some egg products, which are regulated by the U.S. Department of Agriculture, are safe, wholesome, sanitary, and properly labeled. The FDA ensures that human and veterinary drugs and vaccines and other biological products and medical devices intended for human use are safe and effective. Additionally, the FDA protects the public from electronic product radiation and assures that cosmetics and dietary supplements are safe and properly labeled. The regulation of tobacco products also falls under the FDA. Another responsibility includes the advancement of public health by helping it speed product innovation. FDA's responsibilities extend to the 50 United States, the District of Columbia, Puerto Rico, Guam, the Virgin Islands, American Samoa, and other U.S. territories and possessions. Okay, great. Thank you. That helps us uh, have a little bit of a better understanding of the FDA. And now talking about the FDA in the context of importing food by maybe walking through, if we walk through the steps of importing food. Sure. So it all starts with the importer. They create the shipment documentation and transmits the FDA prior notice. Your broker, which is hopefully Buckland, receives the invoice for accuracy and next will transmit the FDA prior notice request to FDA. The FDA and CBP review the file, and in the next step, the CBP either accepts or rejects the entry submission. Notification is then provided to Buckland, the importer, and the carrier. A large quantity of vegetables, organic products, herbs, and food ingredients enter the U.S. from different countries daily. Any of these items are reviewed completely before it crosses the border into the U.S. CBP agriculture specialists conduct examinations at ports of entry, to ensure that the food coming into the nation's ports are safe, they meet the U.S. FDA standards, and they are free of plant bugs and pests. If the goods are found not to be safe, the FDA will keep these shipments not in compliance with the FDA regulations. Great. Thank you. And and you mentioned um, being compliant, and that is so important. And we really want to help you avoid these delays or even potential penalties. Are there any tips that you would be able to provide to assist importers with ensuring that they stay compliant? Absolutely. So the first step in ensuring compliance and ease with FDA products is to really know and understand what you're importing and bringing in. So for example, what are the goods? Where are they coming from? Where were they manufactured? What will they be used for? The end use. What is the HTS classification of goods? 
All of these details will help us determine what is required for FDA and how to build the FDA product codes. In addition to meeting the requirements of the U.S. food regulations, including the food facility registration, importers must follow U.S. import procedures as well as the requirements of prior notice. When a broker inputs, inputs the data, the transmission to CBP, the HTS codes are flagged with indicators to help guide whether FDA data is actually required or not. When the HTS code indicates that the product is FDA regulated, submission of information to FDA is required. Excellent. That's some great tips. So thank you for that. The next thing that I'm kind of wondering if we can chat about would be these notifications from the FDA. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Sure. So FDA has four types of notifications or flags, as it were. These okay. flags tell us which types of notifications tell us if it is regulated. So notifications always start with the letters FD and go through levels numbers one to four. Okay, so let's get started then with FD1. What does that mean? FD1 indicates that it may or may not be regulated by the FDA. If regulated by the FDA, submit entry information. If not regulated by FDA, we are free to disclaim. An example of this is certain chemicals used in manufacturing drug products versus industrial use, safety goggles from medical use versus non-medical use. Okay. And how about FD2? Regulated by the FDA, but it's not food. So submit entry information. An example would be medical devices, drugs, tobaccos, and cosmetics. Okay. And FD3? May or may not be a good product. If yes, we submit prior notice. And entry information, if not, disclaim. For example, salt used for flavoring food versus salt used for treating road surfaces. Okay. So then the final one is FD4. Can you tell me about that? So FD4 is a food product. Definitely must submit the prior notice and the entry information. Example is fish and seafood, live food animals, dairy products, shell eggs, fruits, vegetables, food and feed ingredients, food and feed additives, infant formula, beverages, including alcoholic beverages and bottled water bakery goods, snack foods, candy, canned foods, and dietary supplements and dietary ingredients. Okay. So this not only includes the food for humans, but it's also going to include pet feed as well. Oh, okay. That's good to know. Buckle will be prompted to provide the following information for FDA prior notice, in addition or conjunction with the CBP import requirements, commodity and subtype, product code, product description, country code identifying where the product was produced, source grown or harvested, name and address of manufacturer, shipper, importer, delivered to party, contact information, estimated arrival date and time, FDA affirmation of compliance when it is mandatory, the quantity and value, any additional elements dependent on the HTS code, the DUNS number of the U.S. consignee, and when this is submitted to CBP FDA, FDA will use this information to determine the admissibility of the articles for the imports. Great. That gives a good idea of all of that information that is required to have on hand and ready. So that's helpful. Thank you very much for that. By providing Buckland with the information previously discussed, we can determine the correct information to be transmitted to FDA on your behalf. As the importer, it's important to ensure that all of the details outlined are accurate and as detailed as possible. Mm -hmm. Depending on the product, some additional documentation may be required for FDA review. This can include commodity-specific certification, 
USDA permits, impact-resistant test results, etc. Packing list, growers list, copies of labeling, documentation stating who the actual manufacturer is, copies, documentation explaining why articles classified as U.S. goods returned are being returned, certificate of analysis, intended use statement or intended use end use statement, and other related documentation as requested. Great, thanks. So the next thing I'm wondering about then is you mentioned um, FDA product codes. Let's get into that a little bit. Sure. An FDA product code describes a specific product and contains a combination of five to seven numbers and letters. The product code submitted with each FDA line should match the actual product name and or invoice description of the product. If the product has more than one name, example of fish known under seven regional names, or several regional names, the product code may have several different synonymous definitions associated with it. Okay. The easiest way to determine the product code is to become familiar with the product itself, including the label, the processing information, the intended use of the product, the container type, and who will use or consume the product, okay. etc. The string of letters and numbers represent five components. The industry code, class, subclass, process indicator, code, which is also known as the PIC, P-I-C, and the product, also known as the group. Okay. So the first one I heard you mention was the industry code. This element is two numbers from 02 to 98. Okay. An industry code determines the broadest area into which a product falls. Some examples are dental for all dental-related medical devices and fishery or seafood for fish and seafood crops. Oh, okay. And then the next was class code. This element is always one letter, A through Z, and is directly related to an industry. It designates the food group, source, product, use, pharmacological action, category, or animal species of the product. So class is more specific than an industry code, for example. So the fishery seafood products industry may contain classes such as crustaceans or hot smoked fish. All products will have a class code. Class codes for radiation-emitting products, Medical devices and in vitro diagnostics are linked to the product, the group letters. Okay, great. And then subclass code, I believe, was next. Mm-hmm. The element of one letter, A through Z, and represents the container type, the method of application, use, market class, or material the product is being packaged in. So the subclass would, should specify the primary material which contacts and or holds the product. Medical devices do not have subclass codes and are represented by a hyphen. Mm. So this actually refers to the actual packaging or the items touching the product. Gotcha. Okay. So then the process indicator code. This element is one letter also. and describes the product, storage, or dosage form depending on the type of product. When in doubt, you may wish to contact the manufacturer for processing information. Medical devices, cosmetics, and some animal use products do not have a pick or a processor indicator code, and are represented by a hyphen also. Okay, great. And then I think the last one was product, and then in brackets we had group. Right. So the product is, the element is two characters in length. It may contain either letters or numbers. The element relates directly to a particular industry or class combination. The element identifies a specific product. For medical devices, the product or group element it's two letters, and when used in conjunction with the class element, identifies a specific medical device. Great. Thank you so much for that, Kelly. Is there anything else we should know? 
The other thing I think we should discuss is Schedule K versus facility registration numbers. That comes up quite a bit. Oh, okay. Any food commodity, yeah, human or pet, will require a facility registration number. This number is submitted at the time of entry submission with the other FDA data elements for review that we've talked about prior. And in the rare case, the manufacturer registration number is not known. We can use something called the Schedule K. The Schedule K may be utilized, which allows an additional indicator to be sent notifying CBP or FDA that the registration number is not known at that time, and a more in-depth review is necessary to validate the information. Okay. And then I guess the only other thing I was wondering about was there were some acronyms I'd heard that um, related to release codes, and I was wondering if we could talk about those. The first one I'd heard was CRLS. CRLS stands for Cargo Release. So the entry itself has a release date and all holds, if applicable, have been removed. Okay. And these and these codes, where would these be seen? Like where would these pop up? These pop up actually when Buckland transmits your entry, we will get a response back from customs. So we will see this on our what we call ABI results. So okay. we come back from customs directly. You can call us and ask for the information. We can also set up something called um, free of charge called an event. So you can have these codes actually sent back to you directly as our customer. Oh, so if cool. you're closely following a shipment, you know, if you ship a lot of FDA goods and you want to know, you know, as soon as the shipment is released or when your FDA goods may proceed, let us know because we can definitely set that up for you free of charge. Great. So the other one I think I'd heard was FDMP. So if someone gets that code, what does that mean? This is a big one, and a lot of customers love to know when is, as soon as this is done. FDMP is FDA may proceed. Okay. Even after customs releases importer goods, the importer must wait to receive an FDA release or an FDA may proceed before the imported product can be further distributed into U.S. commerce. Okay. So again, just because customs has released it doesn't mean the FDA has. So this mm-hmm. FDA may proceed is so important because once those goods are distributed... It has to be released by FDA. They've done their examination, the inspection, or sample the imported product. Customs will demand that the importer re-deliver the imported product for FDA re-inspection or sampling if that's not done. Okay. So this may require the importer to contact buyers and attempt to retrieve the product for FDA examination if you do not have that FDMP. Gotcha. And then the last one was RLSE. And I have a, I have a guess of what this means. I'm guessing this means release, but... <laughs> Can you elaborate? You've got it. Okay. So our LSE is indeed released. It is the entry is released from U.S. Customs, okay. meaning the goods have passed customs formalities with or without payment of duties, taxes, et cetera, and are ready to be picked up and moved on by the importer or his agent. Additional information on various CBP messages can be found at www.cbp.gov, trade, slash automated, ace, frequently asked questions. And you can contact us, of course, and let us know if you have any other questions so we can set up something in our system again to create those notifications for you. Yeah, and we can certainly, um, we'll provide that link in the show notes as well. And we mentioned some other sites as well throughout this. Uh, Some examples of them were the FDA product code builder. There's also a great FDA import program website. Um, 
an exploration on the FDA website of what they regulate, and then as well, the Dunn's Bradstreet number lookup. So we can certainly provide those in the show notes so that if you have any questions, you can go and check out those links and you'll have those resources. So those will be on our website. If you go to learning and then podcasts, you'll be able to see the show notes for this episode and get that information. And if anybody has any questions about this or anything else, what should they do, Kelly? They can reach out anytime to CSA group at buckland.com and we will be happy to help. That's awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time to give us a bit of an overview today about importing food and food products and working with the FDA. We really appreciate it. It is my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And that's the Beyond Borders podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to our very special guest, Kelly Denias, for joining us and for sharing your expertise. If you're looking for more resources related to international trade, please check out buckland.com and click on the learning guide section across the top of the website. Here, you're going to find a range of resources, including learning guides, webinars, and of course, podcasts. Our downloadable learning guides include IncoTerms charts, common trade terminology, and many more. We also host live monthly webinars, and we invite you to sign up online to secure your spot for an informative presentation followed by a live Q&A session. The best way to keep up to date on all of these resources is through our weekly newsletter. We send out a weekly newsletter and it comes out every single Wednesday and it contains our latest resources as well as a roundup of the latest trade news delivered straight to your inbox. And at any point, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to us through our website's contact us page or through Twitter where our handle is at Buckland Tweets or on our LinkedIn company page or on our new Instagram account at Buckland Customs. Thank you so much for listening to the Beyond Borders podcast and be sure to tune in again and subscribe for more great conversations about importing, exporting, and everything else in the world of logistics and international trade.